Hey, in today's podcast, I'm going to talk to you about Dakota Collins, who tragically died at the age of 10. He received loads of abuse from his father, his mother. This um, this podcast will have some uh, horrific details of his torture, so to speak. So just keep that in mind. If you do end up liking this podcast, please follow, subscribe or whatever the button on Spotify or platform it is. I'm still a noob at all of this. I found a newspaper article a website that outlines every stage of Dakota's life. So I'm just going to read it out to you. I'm going to read the full story to you and then I'll give you my opinion throughout the podcast and particularly at the end. So we start on December 18th, 2008. Dakota Collins is born. His mother is Robin Collins and his father is Al Muhatan McLean in Wisconsin. In this podcast, I'll refer to the child as Dakota, as that's his name. I'll refer to the mother as Collins, and I'll refer to the father as McLean. So we move forward around about a year later, November 12th, 2009. Collins admits to Wisconsin police that she hit Dakota. She receives probation and she loses custody of Dakota. On December the 9th, 2011, Collins' probation is revoked and she is sent to prison as she is caught using drugs. This is an indication of the kind of household young Dakota was living in. Now on April 5th, 2012, McLean, the father, hits and chokes a man in Wisconsin as he thought that man stole his phone. He pleads guilty to a disorderly conduct charge. On October 21st, 2013, Collins writes to the court asking for McLean to be prevented from taking Dakota out of state, claiming McLean's treatment of Dakota is under investigation by child welfare officials in Wisconsin. So you're starting to see, I mean, I can imagine the relationship between mother and father isn't the best, but you can, you can see the friction there for sure. Now, two days later, on October 23rd, 2013, McLean, the father, receives permanent sole custody of Dakota after having temporary custody since at least July 2013. Now, on October 26, 2013, McLean, the father, is accused of hitting his fiancée, Amanda Hins, over the head with a pipe, dragging her by her hair to a car and punching her before driving away with her in Wisconsin. Charges, however, were later dismissed by a prosecutor. February 26, 2014, Collins, the mother, writes to the Wisconsin court that McLean moved with Dakota to Union City, Tennessee. She goes on to say that he ripped him out of school and left. I've no idea what's going on and the child services were not involved. On June the 30th, 2014, McLean files with the Wisconsin court his intent to move with Dakota to Pennsylvania. Collins, the mother, signed a notarized letter agreeing to the move. She then wrote a handwritten letter days later saying she was bullied and pressured into signing the first letter. To summarize so far, McLean wants to move to Pennsylvania with his son Dakota, um, and the mother Collins agreed and then she disagreed. On August 18, 2014, it was the first day of school for Dakota. Dakota's enrollment date is unknown, 
but school officials confirmed that he was a student in 2014. October 20th, 2014, Wisconsin court rules that McLean is allowed to move with Dakota to Pennsylvania and the mother Collins maintains visitation rights. December 30th, 2014, Amanda Hins buys a house, Amanda being the fiancé of the father McLean, she buys a house on Kensington Drive in Dayton. February 19th, 2016, now we move forward two years, Montgomery County Child Services calls Dayton Police for a well check regarding possible abuse of Dakota's nine-year-old brother. No one answers the door when officers arrive. On March the 6th, 2016, Hins, the fiancé of the father, calls police saying McLean is drunk and refusing to leave. Officers respond and allegedly find McLean drunk and argumentative. They advise Hins of the eviction process. On May the 25th, 2016, Hins calls police crying hysterically saying McLean hit her and won't leave. Officers respond and no charges are filed. This is something I'm starting to notice. Whenever we read stories of domestic abuse, child abuse, there's always events, right? You hear about a report, this report, police were involved here, police were involved there. But it always ends with nothing was done, nothing was done, nothing was done. You see what I'm saying? Like this happens too many times where there's too many red flags, but nobody does anything. Anyway, we continue. June the 9th, 2016, Hins calls Dayton police saying a neighbor is intoxicated and threatening to kill her. Police arrive and allegedly find that both the neighbor and McLean appeared to be intoxicated and fighting. Incident ends with no one taken into custody. Now on July 26, 2016, a caller who gives the name Al contacts police from the Kensington Drive home to report that he was assaulted by a woman. The caller disconnects from dispatches several times as officers gather information. The incident ends with no one taken into custody. On August 2, 2016, Montgomery County Sheriff's Office serves a civil protection order to McLean. The records show it was from a woman he met locally who says he assaulted her in July 2016. The protection order was dismissed because the incident didn't meet the threshold for an order. Again, warning signs but nothing happens. August 20th, 2016, Dakota's older brother runs away from the Dayton home. Once found, he tells police that he is forced to do squats while holding a heavy backpack as punishment. Police contact Children's Services and officers are told a referral was made. Police attempt to search the Kensington Drive address but couldn't access some parts because of pit bulls. Officers notice cameras inside and outside the house but McLean tells them that cameras don't record and were only present for show. We move forward now to September 14, 2016. McLean, the father, calls Dayton police to report someone had broken into his house and threatened his family at gunpoint because of a dispute about a wheelchair. Police records say Hin's sister, Jennifer Ebert, Dakota and his brother were home when the incident occurred. McLean provides police with video of the incident captured on his cameras, even though he previously said the cameras don't work. I guess when it suits him, they did. July 29th, 2017, Hins, Amanda Hins, the fiancé of McLean, calls police reporting that people she doesn't know are yelling and threatening her. The officers respond and they find that the issue is over a grass-cutting disagreement. So, 
a neighbor or someone is having a go at her because they were cutting the grass too long or too short or they were too loud or something. A normal domestic dispute that's very minor. Now, on May the 11th, 2018, the Dayton Public Schools and the Montgomery County Child Services, they requested that they wanted police to go over to the house on Kensington Drive um, because they feared for the welfare of Dakota. And then a day later, or between May 12th and May 24th, Dakota is pulled from school by his father before the end of the school year, but the exact date is unknown. According to multiple Dayton school officials, the school staff say they never saw the boy again. So by May 24th, 2018, the father yanks him out of school, nobody knows why, and nobody sees him again. Well, that school doesn't see him again. On July 31st, 2018, Dakota is formally withdrawn from school and is homeschooled. On November 14th, 2018, Dayton police respond to an argument between residents at Kensington Drive House. Disagreement centers around someone allowing the friend to park a car in front of the house. November 18th, 2018, McLean and Hins, so the father and the fiance, call Dayton police complaining Dakota is being unruly. McLean asks police to take the boy to the juvenile justice center. Once Dakota is in the back seat, McLean says he doesn't want to press charges and will take Dakota to Kettering Hospital. Hospital officials said he never came. On May the 6th, 2019, Collins, the mother, files a motion for contempt in Washington court against McLean. She says, Mr. McLean has never brought Dakota to see me since he has left the state. I've spoken to him once in the phone in four years. Uh, it seems to me throughout the mother's uh, communication with the court, it was all through writing. I don't know what that says, but it is peculiar. On May the 13th, 2019, a Wisconsin court dismisses Collins' motion, saying that the case is in the jurisdiction of Ohio since Dakota lives there now. May the 14th, 2019, Collins calls Dayton police, telling them she believes her son is being abused by McLean. Police respond and dispatch records say they believe Dakota was being cared for. Records don't say whether child services was contacted. December 13, 2019, Dakota dies at Dayton Children's Hospital. The father McLean is arrested. Montgomery County Child Services say they do not have an open case on Dakota. Three days later, on December 16, 2019, Dayton police serve search warrant at Kensington Drive House, locating several items they allege were involved in child abuse. The police arrest Amanda and her sister Jennifer at the house they both are charged in connection with child abuse and on December 23rd, 2019, the father is indicted with seven felonies, including rape. He's accused of abusing Dakota between November 1st, 2018 and December 13th, 2019. Now, the father McLean was at Miami Valley Hospital being treated for a cut lip after a skirmish with the police hours after he murdered his son. Now, the police did say that he started to talk to himself, and when he was in the hospital, McLean said to himself, he must have drowned because I didn't beat his butt that bad today. This and other revelations were documented in newly released court records connected to the case against McLean. The father did plead guilty to killing the 10-year-old. The father pleaded guilty to murder, rape, kidnapping, and three counts of child endangerment in the death of his son. He was sentenced to life in prison and he won't be eligible for parole for at least 40 years and up to 51 years. 
The prosecutor said Takoda suffered years of abuse at the hands of his father. They say he was locked naked in an attic, beaten and abused. In court records, police said Takoda was forced to stand bent over and cross-legged for long periods of time and received a beating by McLean if he stopped. The Montgomery County Coroner's Office ruled Takoda died of blunt force trauma in combination with compressive asphyxia and water submersion in a bathtub. The summary of facts also details the skirmish McLean had with police that led them to take McLean to the hospital. Police testified that McLean was making a loud banging noise in a holding room while they were interviewing a co-defendant. They said they found McLean in the room with both fists up as he was ready to fight. They said two officers entered the room. The three ended up on the floor before McLean was handcuffed. The incident was about 30 seconds. Again, anger and impulse. Okay, so to summarize this story, Takoda was beaten, tortured and abused by his father, his father's uh, fiancé and the fiancé's sister. Now, I'm sure there's more details to the case. That all was a general outline. For me, the theme and the story today is one of anger and hate. Now, I have spoken about hate before, um, but it's clear to me if you start with the mother Collins and if you start with the father McLean, they were not fit to be parents. They, I don't think they planned for Takoda. And when, when Takoda, see, when a child is born, right, sacrifice is everything. When a child is born, you spend less time with your friends or nights out or whatever as you have to take care of the child. You know how some of you, when you're working, you commute, right? You take the bus, you take uh, the, the metro, the London Underground or whatever train station or whatever it may be, right? The problem with that is that your life is is revolves around the bus timetable or the train timetable or whatever it may be. Similarly, when you have a child, your time and your life revolves around what the child wants, right? So if you have errands to do, instead of just doing them when you want to, you might plan, okay, well, I'll do them when the child is asleep. Say he takes a mid-morning nap or something, right? Um, Ordinarily, if you had on Sundays, let's just say the NFL, the American football is on, you want to spend the you normally spend the day with the lads to watch the games. Well, you might have to sacrifice a few games because now you have a son to look after, right? Children equals sacrifice. But I don't think the mother or the father were willing to sacrifice any of their own flaws or anything in their life to ensure the safety of Takoda. In fact, to me. Dakota to them was an inconvenience. If you look at the mother, now there's many reasons why people take drugs. To escape, to feel good, to run away from their own problems or just for the sake of it. Just for the sake of it does not apply here. The mother was unhappy about her life. But instead of standing up and being counted, instead of, instead of thinking, okay, how can I make my life better? How? Now that I have a child, and I'm guessing this is her first child, but even if it isn't, it doesn't matter. The rules that I'm saying still apply. It was her job to stand up and be like, I'm his mother. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to do what I can. And she has her own internal mechanisms to help her do that. Call it maternity instincts or whatever it may be. 
I don't know, but you understand what I'm trying to say. And in regards to the father, I believe, again, everything I'm telling you is my own personal opinion. I'm not an expert. I believe it is the father's sole responsibility to ensure the safety of the mother and the child. In this case, the mother, not so much. She's in prison. All right. She let go of her duties. Right. So she is no longer his responsibility in a sense, if you see what I'm saying. But that child, why you would beat that child? So I want to present to you my voodoo doll theory. Right. I don't know anything about voodoo dolls. So I'm just going off what I've seen on TV. Voodoo dolls, if you pinch the voodoo doll, then somewhere someone else feels something. Right. If you um, hit the voodoo doll or if you tickle it, someone else will feel it. I don't know if that's correct, you, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? I think he was their voodoo doll, but in reverse, something in their life pissed them off. They didn't have money. They had no credibility. They had no friends or barely any friends, right? Riddled in debt, probably. Poor, like in terms of material possession. Um, and all they knew was pain and suffering. So what did they do? In, in the scenario where I mentioned you tickle the voodoo doll or you stroke the voodoo doll or whatever, they beat the voodoo doll. And in this case, the voodoo doll was Dakota. All of their anger, all of their shortcomings in life, everything that they hated, despised, they all took it out on Dakota. And he was an innocent, innocent 10 year old. Now, I don't know how many, I don't know how many of you have children, but when you watch a child grow, it is the most beautiful experience in life. In fact, childbirth is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And if indeed at some point the relationship between you and the mother doesn't work out, that is fine. It's okay. That is a part of life. But you don't go and abuse the mother, right? That wasn't the case here. But you don't go and abuse the mother. At the same time, the last one thing you don't do is go and abuse the child because the moment you, as a parent, abuse the child, you hit them, you like severely beat them, right? With, uh, let's say, a stick or a belt or something. The moment you force feed them or um, you, like, like sometimes in, in these kind of cases, the baby's diaper won't have been changed for a week, right? Bad hygiene. The moment... You start engaging in these heinous activities. All you are doing is projecting your anger onto other people. And there is nothing more weak and pathetic and wrong than projecting your own anger onto children. It's okay to project your anger. That's what lashing out is, right? Imagine you're having a bad day. In general, let's say you just got a lack of sleep or whatever. I don't know. And you're at work. And your co-worker asks you a question and you snap. Not in a bad way, but you, you answer slightly more aggressively than what you normally would. That is okay. That is you uh, projecting your anger. That's okay. I've done it. You've done it. Everyone has done it. Right? Or when someone asks you a question at home and you, you give a snap answer. You're not mad at them. They just happen to be the custodian of your anger at that moment. Right? But to take that out. In fact, actually, actually, even with kids. Right. If you're trying to change your son's diaper and he keeps rolling around. Right. You might say stop in a slightly higher tone. Right. Or something like that. Right. It, that is normal. You're projecting your annoyance at the time. However, there is nothing, nothing a child can do or could have done 
that resulted in the torture Hakoda received by his parents. If you didn't want him, give him away. That is far better than what you did. Takoda could have cured cancer. Takoda could have been the best sportsman in the world. Takoda could have been a politician. He could have made a difference in this world. But now that he's gone, his father, the fiancé, and the sister of the fiancé, all should never, ever, ever be released from prison. In fact, regarding the fiancé, and regarding the sister, how dare you? I understand this is not your kid, but surely some, surely all adults have this yearning, right? Like, like, like my one of my close friends, he has three kids, right? And when I see them, I can't help but go hug them, right? It's not, it's not cause they're my friends' kids. It's cause they are kids, right? I think they're between like three and seven, right? This is just normal human emotion towards children. To have that cut off, to act in this way um, towards, you know, a helpless child, it goes to show what kind of trauma you experience in life. It goes to show how your own empathy has been completely cut off. Your emotion, I can't find the right words to describe how children make me feel, but you know, that happy, joyful feeling, right? That has been completely cut off. How dare the, the fiance Amanda complain to police about neighbor's noise and 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 McLean maybe abusing her and all this stuff when she's doing all of that to Dakota. So I wanted to highlight in this case how projecting anger onto children to this degree is weak, it's pathetic, and I don't know who is left to suffer apart from the mother. But the mother is not fit for purpose. Like if you look at the mother Collins, Robin Collins, I'm sure she's getting used to it now slowly and she's in a lot of pain. Of course she is, right? Even though she failed as a mother, it's clear she's going to be in pain. I normally make the point that the victim's families never ever get their due course. Sending someone off to jail for 20, 30, 40, 50 years does nothing for the victim family because they still don't get the answers they're looking for. The criminal has to answer to a judge. In my mind, the criminal has to answer to the victims. In this case, where the mother, she is the victim, right? Any mother that loses her child is the victim to a degree, if she's the one that didn't do it, that is. But she doesn't deserve that closure because she is part of the reason why Takoda ended up the way he did. So may he rest in peace. I'm sorry if I rambled, but thank you for listening.